Hey guys, Gary here. Just wanted to start off the podcast by giving uh, an early apology. Um, this weekend, we recapped the DMR results as well as a few key individual results, but somehow, some way, we accidentally missed the DMR performances at the Arkansas Qualifier. No idea how that really happened. Uh, human error, an honest mistake. Um, so, we will cover that in our next podcast. We will get to those performances because those were obviously super fast. Um, sometimes, you know, these things happen. So we apologize to uh, the men's DMR at the Arkansas qualifier. Not really sure what happened there, but we'll be sure to cover that um, in our next podcast episode and maybe kind of make that as our lead off um, before we jump into what will likely be a super exciting conference weekend. So thank you all for the understanding. Apologize for the error. But in the meantime, enjoy the great podcast and enjoy the content. Thanks. Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of the Blue Oval Podcast. I am Ben Weissel, and joining me, as always, Garrett Zatlin. How's it going, man? Ben, my roommate, announced today that he was going to have um, some poker buddies over tonight on Tuesday, uh, to which I was then not going to take the risk um, of having to do the podcast at the same venue at the same time. So if anyone hears any extra extracurricular noise uh, in this podcast, just know that a friend was nice enough to open up their home in a windstorm, and there also might be a, uh, a like ringing chime uh, outside. So if you hear Perfect. that... It's just, I like to think that it's a little additive to our podcast today. So um, I'm not complaining about anything. I have actually a great space to kind of do this podcast today, but did want to give everyone a heads up. Hey, we'll, we will do with what we have, right? We'll, we'll, we'll figure it out. I mean, I, I like to think that while my roommate's taking a gamble, so am I on this podcast setup. <laughs> so um, so that, that's my transition. That's that's not a bad gamble, especially considering some of the takes that we've put out over the last few weeks. Uh, that that gamble is not bad at all. Um, speaking of the podcast, though, we are still at I think seventeen ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts. We are up to eighteen ratings on Spotify. So the Spotify uh, listeners improving while Apple's lagging a little behind. I mean, this is the worst. As an Apple Music user, um, I just always am told that Spotify is so much better. Are you? Have we talked about this? Are you a Spotify or Apple person? I'm an Apple, 100. percent I've never uh, been able to get into Spotify. <laughs> uh, and this is this is not great support for the idea that um, Apple is better than Spotify. So, um, thank you to everyone on Spotify, Apple Podcast users. Man, I mean, this is like we should. This is this should be our own little inter podcast race. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I feel like people talk about their love of Spotify a lot more than Apple people. Apple were just kind of like, yeah, that's good. And then Spotify are like really into the fact that they use Spotify. I think people love Spotify more than their own children. Um, I'm willing to take <laughs> that to the bank. So um, anyways, anyways, that's all I have. All right, well, let's move on because this weekend we saw a lot of DMR action as we expected. There were a ton of fast times. I don't think we expected it to be to this extent, though. I, I no. can't remember. I mean, it, it's hard because I feel like every weekend where it's the, like everybody's one upping each other. Last weekend, we were just flabbergasted by all the individual re results. And then this weekend, I, I, I almost want to say that it was even more stunning to see these team results in the DMR. Well, it's not only that, but it's one thing it's saying, okay, fine. Like maybe we didn't expect this many teams to run as fast as they did. Maybe we didn't expect the times to then be so much faster than we initially predicted. But then for all of those teams to be within just a couple seconds of each other, despite running that fast, I mean, that's just what you can't predict. That is something that blows me away. And that's something that really took me by surprise. It's, you know, I think when you look at Alex Wilson, they were all between 921 and 924. I think the top, what, seven teams there. When on earth did we ever think we were going to have a DMR race where the top seven times were comfortably ahead of the previous national record uh, set by the 2008 Texas men, which was broken in 2020? 
Yeah, I, it's it's amazing, and I think it it highlights how crazy Oregon's record is that they set it last year before this like big boom. Obviously, when you have like a bunch of like Olympians on the roster, you're able to do a lot, and and obviously Tier was real close to being an Olympian as well. But I mean, you look at it, and even though we've seen an increase in times across the board, their record still stands by two seconds. Which is which is absolutely crazy. So crazy, that's I, that's absurd. I mean that that has to. I don't know who's going to ever touch that record. I mean DMR, like the DMR is. I mean, I mean for a team like Ole Miss or Texas, like those teams are built specifically for the DMR, and Notre Dame has made that their event with maybe the best distance runner of the past twenty years. Let me rephrase that: one of the top five. Wow, <laughs> just sneaking it in right there. Yeah, <laughs> Top top five distance runners of the past. <laughs> walking years. it back, walking it yeah, back. Um, yeah, I, I I caught myself. That's not what I meant to say. Anyways, <laughs> um, but I think you know, despite having them, and they're still two seconds off the record, is pretty pretty wild and incredible. Well, granted, that could all go down to the national meet. So uh, I'm you know, we'll see what happens. Yeah, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, DMRs usually don't end up being too tactical at. Um, national championships but with a lot of these athletes probably trying to double back or even maybe run a third race in there maybe we do see a situation where it isn't quite as fast as we've come to expect um but you mentioned alex wilson so why don't we get into the men's results uh notre dame took home the win in 921 almost right behind them in 921 as well and then the rest of the ncaa qualifiers from this race indiana princeton michigan wisconsin and texas all running something between 9.22 and 9.23. I, I think I know the answer to this question, but what was the most impressive leg that you saw from this weekend? And oh, this race? the most and, impressive sorry, leg. Yeah, in this the race. Most, that's a great question because I think you could actually make an argument for a handful of different individuals. I'm actually going to go with... Oh, see, I, I'm, I'm caught between two. Um, can you guess who the two are? I know you. I know you know one. Well, I think Ben Veach is like the clear one in my mind. Okay, so I think his is the most impressive. If his three fifty three high split was is the most impressive. There's a part of me that says, but what's the most important? And I think that maybe Spencer Adams of Wisconsin splitting two fifty, which, from my knowledge and from what I could gather, I wasn't able to gather all the splits. The splits were messed up in the timing system, as we could tell from the live results. But that seemed to be the fastest split. And for a guy who had run 357 in the mile, seemingly out of nowhere, after running fine but unexciting times in other events this season, that was a true like show-me-and-gimme kind of uh, result and split. Like it, it really validated a lot in such a big and clutch stage. But at the end of the day, you're right. I'm going to go with Veach, 353. He had never run faster than 359. He was such a 3K, 5K guy. He only barely broke like the four minute barrier too. And it was such a big deal that he did. Like it was like, this is it. This is, he's peaked. We're not getting any better than this, like hair under four minutes. I mean, because like going into this race, you know, I'm like, okay, on a good day, he runs 357. Maybe I give him 356. Maybe. But 353 is like, just, it's insane. It was the fastest split of the of the race with Jared Nagus in it. Obviously, Nagus was just trying to win, but that's still incredible. And so, Indiana men, I had been now hand up, and I made this very clear on our socials. <laughs> you did, and, and I predicted Indiana to finish second to last in a time of nine thirty three. I think is what I predicted it, and or maybe maybe it was even slower. Maybe even like nine thirty six. I don't I don't even know what I predicted. Um, that was obviously a mistake, and Indiana let me know about it. I, we, I, let's just say I was told why I was wrong, naturally, outside, outside of just them them running that fast. And I don't blame them, because if someone said, like, hey, you guys aren't going to do this, I don't, you know, you're not going to do that, I, I'd, be, I'd be a little fired up, too. But in my defense, when you look at that lineup on paper, I mean, Ben, were you expecting them to run any faster than 927? No, I mean, and it's hard for me to to say that is a unique thing to Indiana. I don't think I expected a lot of these schools to run under nine twenty seven. 
Uh, and I mean, for them to go not only under 927, but hit 922, I, I mean, I, I think you weren't wrong when you looked at the team on paper, because if you do pencil them in for a Ben Veach, like 358, then they're then they're at 928, and it, it, it's a, it lines up a little bit more to what we expected. Yeah, but not only that, but it was Camden Marshall, who I think it is, who's a true freshman, has run no fast. He split 256 on a 1200 leg earlier this year and, you know, has run 402 in the mile. He's been really solid. Like, he's been a really solid talent, but on a big stage, freshman on, on that leadoff position against some big heavy hitters, that you then need him to run at least two seconds faster, which he does. Parker Raymond on the 800 meter leg, 148 guy multiple times, but had only contested the 800 three times on the indoor oval, only competed twice and never broken 150. There was never any indication that he was going to be running 148 this season, runs 148. And then, of course, okay, fine, even if you get all of that, and even if you ask everyone to run that fast, and then you still get Veach to knock off a second or two, he then still somehow ends up running 353 split. I mean, just everything had to align so, so, so perfectly. And I think my initial observations were fair and accurate. Um, I'm happy to be proven wrong, but I I didn't know where they were going to get that firepower. And as it turns out, they just had it the whole time. And I think your point on uh, Adam Spencer, if you're right, him coming through first in that 1200 leg, you look at the guys that he was going up against, Samuel Volas, uh, John Rivera, Creighton Carroza, these guys are studs. And, and to go toe-to-toe and, and come out victorious, I mean, that's a huge, huge performance for him. Um, and, and it gives Wisconsin a chance to, to be very competitive at NCAAs because you look at their lineup, and, and this this might be it. Like it, Whereas a lot of these other lineups might have different guys coming in and out when it does come to NCAAs. Yeah, which is pretty unique and weird because you don't usually see instances where a guy could be a key contributor in the DMR and effectively come back in the 3K. That doesn't, it's just unusual. I like the move because I think Wisconsin can be pretty, almost equally effective without Hacker in that lineup. I think they're a little better with him in that lineup, but not a ton. And then Hacker could be completely fresh for the 3K, which. Ottawa say makes him like a title contender, but like he makes him kind of an interesting name to think about if he's going to be one of the few guys at the top of that field that's going to be completely fresh. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely rare to see someone not compete day one or day two before that 3K, and that does set him up well. Um, Any other teams that you wanted to highlight in this race before we move on? Yeah, I think we got to talk about some of the moves. I I think... Real quick, Notre Dame putting Sam Vols on the 1,200-meter leg and getting a 250-what, two split out of him was kind of a little bit of a gamble. Mm-hmm. Worked out incredibly well. John Rivera, same thing. 147 guy has never collegiately, according to Tifers, run anything further than an 800-meter race. He goes up and splits 251 from what I could find. Um, really great gamble there. Um, and then Texas interesting lineup. I like Carroza on the 12, but I wasn't really sure kind of, I I think they have some experimenting to do that they can do at the big 12 championships and kind of see like what those legs are going to be like. They have a lot of flexibility there, but I I think there will almost be a better net gain if Carroza was on that anchor. Um, And then a few of these other results, Stanford, they just weren't built for the DMR this year. That's not a knock on them. They're just better built for other distance events. And then a Michigan State, I mean, that that's a Beatlescombe heavy lineup. And in a field that was just that deep and that heavy, I think they just got unlucky in a fast year. And unbelievably, Morgan Beatlescombe is not enough to get you a national qualifying time. So uh, those are all my notes. Yeah, that I, I was looking at Michigan State and being like, gosh, that sucks. 926 and you, you're not in. Um, speaking of not qualifying, despite a really good performance at the JDL Fast Track, we saw Virginia Tech run a converted 925 and not qualify. They they put together some great performances. Um, it was 932 unconverted on that 200-meter flat track, um, getting a 359 um, on, I, I don't know what that would convert to on the flat track, but I, I'm guessing that's like a 356 split, really. 
Yeah, 357 below because he was 359 high. So you get about two and a half-ish seconds, I think. I could be wrong, but... from Yeah, from Antonio Lopez-Segura, who, who continues to build on his great year. But just they were just outside the picture, which is just a, an amazing reflection of what we've seen this year so far. Yeah, I feel so bad for the Hokies. Obviously, I'm a VT alum. Obviously, I want them to do well. I'm not going to try to take anything away from that. Um, this team's designed for the DMR, and when they're designed for the DMR, get a converted 925, and you still don't qualify for the national meet, that is really tough. That's really hard. And with so many, I don't know why they split the fields into two. Um, to me, that didn't make sense. It's not like there was a ton. It's not like there were so many teams that it was overwhelming. So I was a little surprised by that. I mean, VT dominated their field. So, and then the the other legs on the other heat were just way too slow, like UNC and Penn State and Virginia, um, and, and a few others. I mean, it, it was it was odd, and I, I don't really know why that was the case, but um, just a, a unique and kind of difficult situation on the men's side there. Yeah, I mean, in a year where you have to run so fast, everything needs to go perfectly. Every leg needs to be like firing on all cylinders. You can't be Michigan State and have a 355 in your back pocket and not run really well on every other leg and still qualify. So uh, the margin of error was super small. But why don't we stay with JDL and, and switch to the women's side? We saw a lot of qualifiers uh, in this race, uh, we saw Virginia Tech women run a converted 10:53, um, Washington 10:57, NC State 10:58, Kentucky also 10:58, and rounding out the the qualifiers were Virginia at 11 flat and UNC 11:01. Just a lot of really strong performances. Getting that conversion certainly helps, but still, I mean, even these unconverted t- uh, times are really strong. They're really strong. They're really good stuff. Um, Virginia Tech, 1053 is really scary good. I mean, that's scary good. And now leaves with some interesting scenarios to think about. Obviously, Lindsey Butler, 800 uh, contender in the 800 meters. You know, I think you could say, is she, a, is she a title like favorite? Is she one of the title favorites for the women's 800 this year? Yeah, yeah. But after that, that mile split, yeah. I mean, 434, I mean, that, that can... Yeah, unconverted converts down a few seconds there. Like, boy, I, I would I would be interested to see her really try to throw one down at ACCs in the mile. Yeah, I, and I I think and I, I have to actually we were nice enough to actually get the uh, the entries just before I hopped on the pod here. I just take a uh, take a look at that, but yeah, that's going to be really interesting because I I think there's a good chance Virginia Tech can go out and win the title. Not you know in not just from a fluke day from Arkansas, but Arkansas women, Lauren Gregory was that anchor when they ran 10.51. I think there's a good chance she scratches out of the DMR, tries to go for a 5K, 3K double, and Arkansas tries to spread out and get a net gain on points by putting Gregory in the 5K and putting maybe someone like Logan Jolly, who just ran 4.35, on the anchor. So maybe Arkansas says, hey, we know we're not going to win the DMR, but we can actually collectively gain more points and route to a team title if we take Gregory off the DMR and put her in the 5K, 3K double. And now all of a sudden, the Razorbacks are vulnerable in Virginia Tech. If they want to go full in, if they want to go all out for that DMR, I, I, I think a title is kind of in their grasp. Yeah, yeah. I, I, if they stick with this lineup, I don't see why not. I, I mean, well, when I you have... Depends. I think it depends on Butler. Right. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, that's she's the X factor. I, I I think when you have someone that you trust that much as your anchor, I think it's possible. Anything's possible. I mean, we saw that with Courtney Wayman last year. Do you think she doubles? The eight hundred is the eight hundred prelims before the DMR. Yes. Oh man. I I mean sure. I, I mean, I, I, I think, I think she can, I, it takes, it'll take a little out of her, but I don't, I think she's strong enough to, to bounce back. Do you think they could win if she comes back from the double? No. And see, that's, that's the ultimate game that you have to play if you're Virginia Tech. Well, let, let's, let me double check real quick. I, I want to make sure that I have the schedule right. I'm pretty confident that the 800 meter prelims are before, um, 
what is it? Yeah, or before the DMR. So let me check the championship info here. Let me go to championship schedule. We're going down. And here we go. It's the 800-meter prelims do happen before the DMR. They happen an hour before the DMR. That's doable. And still win? Probably not, but I, I think it's doable to, and still finish high, like and give Virginia Tech at least a shot. Okay, how about this top three? Yeah, I think okay. top threes. Okay, I just want to see. I just want to gauge where we're at right now <laughs> on that one. Um, other DMRs that they ran though, pretty well, pretty good on the women's side. I mean, the men's field wasn't electric, but Washington eleven oh four in Heat two, um, NC State. I think they were also in Heat two, or I'm sorry, Heat one. Washington and NC State were in Heat 1. Kentucky was in Heat 1. Virginia in Heat 1. They all ran 11.04, 11.05, 11.05, 11.07. Um, and then North Carolina, 11.08. I think they got it converted 11.01 out of that. Um, thoughts and any main takeaways from those women's DMRs? Well, I, I was going to talk about an, a team that was outside the NCAA qualifying picture. And one of the bigger storylines, I think, for me from these races was the return of Kaylee McCabe running the anchor leg for West Virginia, which we talked about, I think, last week or maybe two weeks ago about how we had not seen her race. And I think she ran a 439 unconverted split, pretty solid performance shows that she is healthy and has some fitness. She'll be interesting to keep an eye on now that West Virginia isn't going to qualify in the DMR in that 5K um, or 3K. She's only uh, qualified in the 3K, right? Yeah, only 3K. So she's going to be another one, like we talked about with Owen Hacker, who is going to just focus on the 3K, and we could see some interesting results because of that. Well, I, I think I want to say that she's probably going to do the 5K at the Big 12 Championships. Because if you're West Virginia, that's just, I mean, she was so good in cross country. I feel like that's just points left on the board, a, an equally good chance of now a national title than just as much as in the 3K. I don't know why she wouldn't go after the 5K at the, national, or the Big 12 Championships and then try to that's do the That's just going to be tough to do. So, I mean, I mean, do you I mean, think they're going to try to go that fast? I think, I mean, what, is is Taylor Rowe? Oh, Taylor Rowe, is she even qualified for the 5K? Gabby Hetman? Uh, I mean, I'm trying to think. I know there's one other name that I'm missing off the top of my head in the Big 12. Kaylee Logue. Logue, Kaylee Logue. I, th- I think those women are probably all on the cusp at least, right? I think there's a few of them. So right now, what is it? Logue is... Logue is 22nd. She's Hetman's 20th. Yeah. I mean, those women are all going to probably want to go after it. I don't see one here either. Either. I mean, I think you're going to get a Big 12 showdown. McKay, Roe, Hentman, and I'm sorry, not McKay. Celie Mc, uh, McKay. Or, yeah. Kaylee McKay. McKay. Yeah. <laughs> McKay. They all sound the same now. Uh, Roe, Hentman, and Logue. That's going to be a, I think that could be a load to 5K. Yeah, that's a good point. And I mean, they basically just have to run under 1540 and they can do it. Um which they're all very capable of. So yeah, maybe we'll see her come back in both of those events. And that that's, I mean, I was just really happy to see her name and the results yeah. and, and to see her perform well. Um, outside of that, I, I mean, I'm not super surprised to see the Washingtons, the NC States of the world run well. I think it was a, a good performance from Kentucky to build on uh, some other pre- previous success. Tori Herman and Jenna Gearing continue to be really strong. I it, it, it's I don't know. It just was another day in, in the NCAA distance women's world for me. Yeah, the women's like the teams that I thought were going to be a little more electric, like Washington. I I thought they were going to win. I don't know. I don't know how with a lineup of Heisterman, Gibson, Carly Thomas, and Adley Shadler. Even compared to Virginia Tech, I don't know how they don't win that. I think that's a pretty dangerous lineup. Um, yep. And I mean, and granted, in, in defense to Washington, they won their heat. Um, I think so if I'm if I'm let me filter correctly, yeah, they won their heat and they beat NC State. So it's not like you know, it, it's it's not like you can really fault them for that. But I thought I thought they would have run a little faster. That's what I'll say. I thought they would have run faster. Yeah, that's fair. Any other thoughts? Most impressive leg? 
Did, you, did you have one for this? I mean, it has to be Lindsay Butler, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I agree. All Good right, piece. moving on. Let's go to the women's side of Alex Wilson. We saw Ole Miss run 10.57 to take the win over Notre Dame with the, who at the same time. We saw 10.59s from Utah and Michigan and at 11.02 from Indiana and Georgetown with an 11.04. Uh, again, really strong performances. Visa from Ole Miss continues to just be an absolute stud and, and lead the Rebels to higher heights than they have in previous years. I, I was just really blown away by almost everybody in this field. I thought a lot of really good performances here. Yeah, this was super impressive, but I think Old Miss's win in 10.57 time is a little deceiving. Um, I think, despite the win, Visa had it was six seconds back of the leaders when she got the baton. Had a split 430. That's ridiculous. That's, that's, yeah, it is ridiculous, right? It's, it's actually insane, but it, you can't do that at the national championships. You're not going to be able to hunt down the rest of the field when you're six seconds behind them. So it's great, especially with Visa probably doubling back from the mile. So, I mean, that has to get tightened up. As great as this was for Ole Miss, I mean, I'm, I'm not as high about them as I thought it was going to be after they came away with the win. In fact, I think this was actually a field that they should have won anyways. I think the really big development is Notre Dame and Utah. If you if those 1,200, 800 legs are going to be as solid as, as they were. They didn't need to be firework, you know, unbelievable stars, but they just got the job done. And then with Olivia Markazic running 433 on the split and Simone Plourd running, I think 434 was it on the split. That's really solid. Like that stuff, whereas your te- if your team can just put you into the mix and having those anchors run as well as they do, that's impressive. I, I like that a lot. I can't looking at these splits. Like I can't believe that a four thirty eight like sends you tumbling down like the leaderboard. That that's that's absurd. Like I, I mean, Michigan put together a really strong first three legs, and four thirty eight from Tran is not bad. But when you're going up against four thirty and a four thirty three, four thirty four, I, I mean, it's nuts. And I I really like Michigan if they do keep uh, Rinda on the on the eight hundred leg as well. Yeah, that's huge. And in fact, you actually make a really great point. I didn't realize just how far ahead of the field they were. Like, three, like they were three seconds basically ahead of the next best team. I think, which I think it was Indiana. Mm-hmm. Um, which was, I mean, like, and I, I even said this in the preview. If you read the preview, I said, "Hey, listen, the middle portion of this lineup." Now, granted, I thought Zaya Holman would be running the four hundred. The middle portion of this lineup can carry this relay. The other legs just have to do enough. It looks like that was kind of the case. I don't know what they ran on the 12 there, but um, Michigan still ran well. I just don't know where the firepower is going to come from on the anchor. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, and, and you can say the same thing about Indiana. They were, they were second at, at going into the mile leg, finished fifth. You wonder if they put Hertenstein in, in the mile leg, if that changes things up and, and makes them a little bit more competitive. Yeah, Indiana and Georgetown were going to be two of my top three teams in this meet. I don't know why they put Stoffel on the anchor and Hertenstein on the 12. I don't think that makes a whole lot of sense. It just, from a net gain in terms of time, you're it's better to put Stoffel in an event that better suits her strengths. She ran 247 in the 1,000 meters at the beginning of the season. I don't know why she wouldn't be on the 12. And then Hertenstein's fresh off a 435 mile time. I mean, yep. the, one, the one time, bro, I'm like, hey, you should run the mile. <laughs> the one time. And I'm like, hey, run the mile. And she just doesn't run the mile. Um, not that I think that was a her decision. Georgetown, I also just want to shout out Georgetown. Not for their performance because it wasn't great, but because they did something that is very unique and shows a lot of great ownership. And what I really appreciate from them, they didn't put Georgetown places, what, six in a super competitive field which is last, right? It's, it's misleading if you put it that way. Instead, they said, Georgetown comes up just short in national qualifying bid. And you read the article. Yeah, we didn't run how we're supposed to today. Like, it's hard to keep this momentum. We're going to try to go. I'm going to shout out Georgetown because that's honesty. I remember seeing, and I'll put it out there. I remember, you know what? No, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that to this team. This team. <laughs> this hey, team. hey, I'll, 
I'll say it from my team. Our media briefings were, were like that. Finish top half of the overall field, even though you came last in your, your heat. Like, that happened all the time. I'm, I'm, I'll just put it this way. There was one team at the Nutty Comb invite one year that finished dead last. And I forget which team it was. I, I think I have an idea of what team it was. And their, you know, their release was, uh, this team places, whatever, 31st in the most competitive regular season meet of the year against D1 powerhouses, which is wildly misleading. Like, I remember, like, they weren't even, they weren't even close to the next best team. Um, so it's, I don't know, it's just one of those, one of those deals. So I appreciate Georgetown doing that because that's actually a good program that could have run better. And I think they showed a little bit of ownership in terms of their media, which I just, you know, for the people who observe that stuff, I appreciate it. Absolutely. All right. Do we want to move on to the individual results from this past weekend? I think we have to. All right. So let's start with the 800. On the men's side, we saw a few 147s get run. Yusuf Bizimana leading the way, Cole Lindhorst, Akeen Kali, and then we saw Bashir Masevalo run 148. All at, was that Alex Wilson or was that? That was um, Alex Wilson. Yeah. Okay. So strong performances and, and the margin to get in to NCAAs right now on 800 is razor thin. I, I mean, you, you look at those, all those guys, and I, I think is Busy Mana the only one, I should double check this real quick, is he the only one that's qualified despite three guys running 147 in the same race? No, Lindhorse's time is actually just enough to get him to okay. ninth on the national leaderboard, but you know you do have guys like Creighton Carosa who has a converted 148, He's at 23. In fact, guys like Elliot Cook from Oregon, uh, Sven Svepis of Texas Tech, who we'll talk about, Leroy Russell of Arkansas, have all run 147 high. They're not going to the national meet, assuming no one scratches. Yeah, that's that's insane. Um, I As for this race, I thought it was a really strong performance from Lindhorst. Um, and other than that, it, it, the rest of the results weren't that surprising. I think Busy Mana is, has established himself as one of the best in the country and just a really strong tactician. He can win a, almost any race. And, and I would I would have liked to have seen him maybe dip under 147, and that would make me feel a lot better about his NCAA chances. But still, a, a very strong win against good competition. Yeah, I mean, everything you just said, I completely um, echo and agree with. Um, uh, yeah, I, I think that's totally fair. Lindhorst, what I don't think a lot of people realize was doubling back according to the entry yeah. from the DMR. That's really impressive. Um, which makes me think that like, hey, can he still actually like double back from, you know, um effectively in the DMR at the national meet? And I think he can. And I think that makes him kind of a lock to run the 800, which I think is, you know, should make Texas feel fairly comfortable about that. And I think it really only leaves them to question if they want to go for the national title, who's running the anchor, who's running the opener. Um, I don't know why Lindhorst got double duty and Busy Mana didn't, but otherwise I think it's probably just because Busy Mana's goal, you can't you can't just kind of punt on this idea that he's not going to qualify for the national championships in a single season. Um, so, uh, yeah, I have nothing more to add. Lindhorst was great, but all expected. Yeah, two and a half hour gap, pretty much between those the DMR and the eight hundred. So, so very strong double. Um, elsewhere, we saw Marco Vilka run a converted one forty seven, very small uh, adjusted time there, and then Sven Sipas right right behind him in one forty seven as well. Uh, again, very strong performances, just cluttering the leaderboard with one forty sevens. Further, um, both I think Sipas is. Just like, as you mentioned earlier, just outside, well, Vilka from Tennessee Tech, or te- not Tennessee, Texas <laughs> Tech, excuse me, um, is just in at 14th. Um, I, I, we haven't talked about Vilka very much this year. He, he's thrown down some pretty good times. He's run 48 in the 400, 226 in the K, which wasn't maybe his best performance. But to, to come back after running 148 and 149 in the past few weeks, to, to take it up a further notch this weekend was a really strong showing. Yeah, um, these were largely unsurprising. I think eventually they were due to make the national meet, and even then it was only barely. I mean, Seppis is probably not even going to get in. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but these guys have kind of been knocking on that door of the 148 for a while now. They've been super consistent. Um, they haven't really been stars, but they've been really strong national caliber names. And I'm really not surprised in the slightest. Like I want to offer more, but I think this was fairly straightforward. I, I agree. Let's let's head to the women's side. And do you, do you want to take take uh, your first the first crack at the pronunciation? Um. <laughs> so we we <laughs> we we looked up on YouTube trying to say her name, the Oklahoma State eight hundred meter runner. Um, I think she's Lithuanian. I could be wrong. Her name is Gabija Gavidite. Gavidite. And I that th- was excellent. I, I I think actually based on the YouTube video that we tried to research, that's how you say it. Converted two hundred three from a two hundred five. I think that was JDL. Am I right? Let me fact check you. But yeah, a very strong performance from her and, and vaulted her up. Uh, our that our expectations of her. Yes, JDL. Um, going from a two hundred five point two to two hundred three point eight. Yeah, I mean, that was a really strong win for her, especially because you take a look at the rest of that field. I mean, that's, you know, Isabel Geising is in that field and Brooke Jaworski and Valerie Tobias and Carly Thomas and Madison Heisterman and Anna Gibson. Um, you know, that's, that's really strong stuff. Um, that's a really strong race from her. And I think it kind of solidifies this idea of, of what she can be on the national stage. She's been consistent uh, this season, and I really liked it. And I also love the fact that Geising ran as fast as she did um, the problem is that I, she, for whatever reason, I don't know how she was so close to Galvadite and yet still now getting what feels like such a slower conversion. I don't, I'm sure it's all the same, but um, Geising sits at NCAA number 18. If everything stays the same, which it certainly won't, um, there's maybe a world where Geising gets into the national meet off of scratches for the DMR specifically. I think mm-hmm. that could happen, but um, either way, a good race, um, big win for Gavadite, yeah. and I don't have anything more to say. Absolutely, yeah. Taking down those those particular people in that race, I think makes that 203, converted 203 look even stronger. Um, elsewhere, we saw Megan Hunter of BYU run a 204, um, which put her right inside the NCAA qualifying pictures at uh, the MPSF Indoor Track and Field Championships. Uh, she might want to go out and try to find another opportunity to run fast, but still, it was a good, convincing win uh, against uh, some decent competition. Yeah, she's going to be right on the line because um, I think at least two people, at least two people, are going to run faster than her this weekend. Um, conference championships always do that. And then it's a matter of, okay, well, who scratches? You know, there's potential for Seymour to scratch. I don't think she will. There's potential for Quinn Owen to scratch. I don't think she will. There's potential for Lindsay Butler to scratch. I don't think she will. Um, you know, there's just, there's just a lot of these different instances where you can, you know, be ticky tacky here or there. I agree with you. I think she probably needs to go after another fast 400, but she's going to be right on the line either way. Absolutely. All right. You ready to move on to the mile? Yep. Let's do it. So on the men's side, all these times, which I'm about to say might not guarantee a spot to NCAA. So I would like to preface all of that, which is just an absolutely wild statement. Isaac Baston running 356. Joe Wascom also running 356. Adam Fogg, 357. Abdi Abrahim, 357. Zach Stallings, 357. Just a incredible performances from all these guys. I, I think Baston to take home the win uh, convincingly with a strong kick bodes well for his chances at NCAAs if he gets there. And, and I mean, I don't expect to see a lot of fast, crazy fast times at NCAAs, but at this point, I... I can't expect anything in this crazy season. I mean, I give credit to Bastion, not just for how he went out, ran that race, put down a great kick, but I mean, he's been so consistent all year long. He's been chasing that time. He knew that his original time of 358 wasn't going to be enough. And I think he knew that pretty early on. Um, So, you know, good for him for going out and getting that. The problem is that I don't, uh, I, I mean, you know, I think he has some scratches on his side. I think it's, yeah, you know, he'll probably get in. He'll probably get in with scratches, but 
I mean, when everyone's back to racing on the oval on the same weekend again, you kind of get a little bit nervous. And I bet you there's a lot of 356 milers, 357 milers who are thinking, I can run that. I can do that. So fingers crossed for him. We'll see. Um, Waskin's great. Um, ran 350 now the other week. Suddenly dropped 356. Um, but yeah, nothing, nothing more to say. Yeah, I, I mean, really good performances from these guys. We we talked earlier that Abdi Abrahim has just put down good performance after good performance, and we we haven't highlighted him because everyone else just keeps keeps running faster and faster, and, and he kind of just gets left in the dust, so to speak. Yeah, this is a wild. I mean, this this is so crazy. I mean, it's it's crazy that we just sort of keep talking about these guys, and like we're not even sure if they're going to make nationals. So. Um, I don't know. Let's let's say this: if the pre, let's say Bastion does qualify for the national meet, and the prelims turn tactical, almost tactical to the point that we saw last year in the second preliminary heat, mm-hmm. where they were running, I think like what four eleven, maybe not even that slow. Probably that wasn't that slow, but something along those lines, right? Um, does Bastion get to the finals? I mean, based off of his kick this last weekend, I think he has a great shot. I. I, I think maybe with, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm going to say yes, but I, I because I think we're going to see a lot of inexperienced guys in these heats, um, guys who have improved a lot and might not be able to handle the heats quite as well as he can. Yeah, that's a great point. That's a really good point, actually. I didn't even think about that. So kudos to Ben for the best take of the day. Elsewhere, <laughs> uh, we saw Mason Strader uh, run a D2, from D2 run a 358-mile um, I, I mean, it, we're just seeing the level across each division just get raised and, and to the point where a 358 is amazing, but it's not that surprising to hear about even on the D2 level. Yeah, no. And to clarify, Schrader was actually at the Arkansas qualifier. It was just in the non-invite heat, and um, which is a little surprising there. But ultimately, um, Schrader's great. Um, our... D2 writers ranked him what I thought was a little low, um, but I won't, I won't argue with John and the crew. Um, so uh, yeah, they, you know, they know what they're talking about. I don't, um, but yeah, a great race for him. It was awesome. On the women's side, we saw Logan Jolly run 435. Elsewhere, we saw Maya Ramsden and Anna Yule uh, run converted 436s. Uh, just solid, again, solid performances right on the edge of NCAA qualifying. Yeah, I actually have two pretty big takeaways from these two. Um, The first one being Jolly running 435. I think, again, this ties back to what I said earlier about Arkansas. I don't think she qualifies for the national meet with that time. Um, It was a a huge breakout performance, one that I actually predicted just like a week too early. I thought she was going to do it at the Husky Classic. She did it a week later. I said she was due for a break, you know, something along the lines of like a breakout performance. I forget what the prompt was, um, but I think putting her on the anchor and allowing Arkansas to again spread points along the relay and allowing Gregory to go after individual glory, I think that's what we see there. I think that actually ends up being the best bet for Arkansas. And then separately, um, I, I actually like Ramsden and Yule's performances a lot. Um, they pe- often, you know, Yule, you know, has proven that she peaks in the postseason, does very mm-hmm. well. I think some of her better times have come at the Ivy League championships. Don't be surprised now, slowly but surely, they're, you know, just chipping away at that mile time. I don't know if they get the national qualifying bid, but I think they'll get close at the Ivy League championships. I really do. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, we could see some really fast times uh, in that race if they're kind of going for it and maybe a few others try to tag along for, for a quick time. So, I, I I mean, we're both big fans of Anna Yule, and I, I would be surprised if she didn't at least give the NCAA qualifying uh, number a scare. Yeah, she's she's great. Um, tactically underrated, and I think she – and she's she's experienced. She You know, she really should have a national championship – um, appearance under her belt if it wasn't for COVID. Um, right. So, you know, she's capable. She can get to the national meet even in a fast year. Um, I just, I, I just, I know she can do it. It's just a matter of will she. Agreed. Let's go to the 3K and we'll wrap it up with this. 
Uh, on the men's side, we saw uh, Amon Kemboy run 7.42, Wesley Kiptu run 7.43, but the fastest time was run by Zuer Talbi running 7.40. The NAIA star uh, just taking it to the D1 guys. Uh, but really good performances. I, I really liked Kemboy's 7.42 in particular. I thought that was a real big step up for him that we kind of needed to see, quite frankly. I mean, he's he's been so good over the last few years, but he hadn't had that like definitive time to put him back where he has been in, in past years. And this, this was it. This put him back into that title con- conversation a little bit more. Um, and, and really shows that he has the fitness to be able to go up against pretty much anybody in the country. Yeah, and you're absolutely right, but the problem is that people are going to say, but Ben, Kemboy ran 13.26 earlier this year. Yeah, guess what? That puts him at NCAA 14. Like, yeah. it's, not this, it's not the same as the 7.42. He, had, he hadn't broken 7.50 since he ran that 7.44 at the Milrose Games against Grant Fisher and against Morgan McDonald. So I think it's... A really big statement performance. He beats Kip two, which is like a big indicator. I still wonder if you know. We've seen this now, where he's gone to all these national championships and he's gone on to run so many fast times. But can he win it all? Can he win it all? I, I yeah, I agree with you. I don't think he can. And for everyone at home, he's shaking his head. No, I don't. I don't know that he can. I think he's a guy that's always going to you know find a way to be an all American. But I, I just I don't know if he has he has great speed and great turnover. He has great endurance, great uh, stamina based strength. But he's not really like the best in any of those categories. He just has he's just really solid all the way through when looking at the upper echelon uh, of the distance events, specifically the three thousand meters. So if I set the over under for Amon Kemboy in the three k at uh, nationals at 4.5 uh, would he finish higher or lower in your mind because what what does that get him that's what that goes from 10 so yeah i'm just saying so if he's fourth like fourth or better basically at ncaa's uh see if you gave me fifth i would have said yes fourth is fourth is is hard yeah four um Oh, fourth and a half place. Yeah, that should be the line. Um, oh, that's really tough. What do you think? Are you just gonna tell I, me? I I think he he'll he'll go under. I I still like him to be in the top four, but I just don't I don't see him winning. And I I think a lot of that honestly might be because he might not be like gunning for the win and might be able to clean up kind of the people that do try to go for the win in the last lap or two and, and might just sneak into that top four. I'm trying to think about who I like in that race. Yeah, you know what? Now that I think about it, I think I'll go fourth or better. I think he's fourth place, like a flat-out fourth place. But, yeah, I like that. It's a good line. That's a really hard line. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, he's just he's an interesting one to watch. And, and Kip, too, is obviously um, as well. And I mean, this was a bounce-back performance for him, too. Puts him solidly into the 3K um, uh, conversation and qualifies him. But I, it's not like that stupid fast time that we've come to expect from Kip Two that makes us confident that he can finish in the top three. Well, no, it's. It, I think it is a stupid fast time. The problem well, is that comparatively, <laughs> com- comparatively, it's just everyone's running stupid fast times. It, but more importantly, for me, it's just like he's not when he's not running fast. He's struggling at the Milrose Games. Okay, fine. Like you know, everyone has a bad day. You're allowed to have an off day, right? Then he goes to the Iowa State Classic. And gets beaten on his home track by Sam Gilman, who is super underrated, by the way. He's really good. Like, I think he could be an All-American. And then you have him going to this race where he runs super fast. And the pace, in theory, favors his strength. And yet, he still gets beaten by not one, by by two collegiates, if you include Talby, who is, by the way, like, arguably one of the best distance runners in the nation this year. But, um, you know, I just... It's just one of those things where I'm like, I, I think I think he's a realistic title contender in the 5K. I I, I honestly am not super confident that he's going to be above sixth place in the 3K. Yeah, no, I agree. 
I, I I agree, especially coming back the day after the five k. I I I don't see him. I mean, I think him scoring. I think would be good. Yeah, honestly, agreed. Agreed. Which is super um, weird to say about a seven forty three runner, but well, yeah, and we'll talk about someone who just ran a seven a converted seven forty five. Cameron Ponder at JDL uh, unconverted seven fifty, and, and he's a big reason why I think it's gonna uh, him and a few others are a big reason why I think it is gonna be hard for Kip two to score. You have someone like Ponder coming in fresh into the 3K, has run a converted 745, I think can run a different, like several different kind of races at nationals and still compete well. I, I mean, I don't know if he's an all-American lock, but I think there's enough people like Ponder that there's going to be a real difficulty for people to get into that top eight. Ponder's just always kind of there. Like he's he's really consistent. I mean, mile three k. I've said he's been really cons- he's more consistent in the mile, but he's better in the three k. He's just like he's just always there, and he's just really quietly good at positioning himself. Um, he can stick with hot paces. Um, I just like him. I like him a lot. I think he's pretty well suited for a fairly quick race, not an overly aggressive race, but a fairly quick race. And I think he could even do something in you know pretty solid in something that's semi-tactical so i like ponder a lot i think this was a great effort by him his teammates helped pace him um so shout out to camp ponder i agree all right well why don't we wrap it there we got conference championships coming up this weekend right yep we got conference championships we're gonna try to do some meet previews i know we have we're probably gonna do most of the acc preview we'll try to do a few others the problem is that the meet previews for some of these are just so challenging to get out like we don't we have the entries um like you know nine hours before you know the meat goes off so sometimes it's challenging to get those out at a reasonable time but we will try to do something and uh yeah well we have a ton of content we got all these rankings coming out ben yeah. we've got we've got a lot of guys out there i know you probably disagreed with a few of mine uh on the <laughs> d1 side but we got d2 just published as we're recording this d3 on the way um a lot of exciting stuff. And then Ben, after this weekend, it's scratch reactions, entry predictions, national meet all American predictions. Um, it's going to be super exciting. I'm really excited for it. Yeah. We're, we're hitting the postseason, the first postseason we've had like full postseason we've had for indoors in a few years. So I'm, I'm really pumped and I know you guys are too. Yeah. It's going to be great. So leave a five-star rating and review on Apple podcast, five stars on Spotify as well. Spotify users watch out. You might be going ahead here of the Apple podcast. This is an Apple podcast podcast um, podcast. <laughs> so, um, not to alienate any of our Spotify listeners. Not to alienate them a little bit. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, they're, they're winning right now. They're winning the, the, the podcast music awards, whatever it may be. So um, that's all I got, Ben. Anything from you? All good. Until next week, Garrett. I'll talk to you. I'll talk to you.